This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. Welcome to Country Squire Radio, I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey Bo, good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. And man, showing up on this, the due date of uh, the future young Cole coming into this world. <laughs> uh, or, or at least that's what the doctor said. The doctors never get this stuff right. No, they right? never get it right. They never get it right. And we're pretty sure baby's going to be late. But uh, yeah, man, uh, recording today on uh, uh, September 16th. And uh, yeah, man, to, uh, baby Cole is due um, in- incoming in any time now. So yeah, uh, we're, uh, we're thrilled, man. But things are going well. We're just... Uh, you know, waiting on the uh, phone call. I, I, basically, the the relief pitcher. You know, waiting to get the call from the bullpen. Uh, say, man, come on, it, it's it's your time to your time to play. You know, so uh, just hopefully everything will go smoothly. But we're uh, we're very very grateful. Got a lot of good friends and a lot of good family that have uh, you know supported us during this time. And we're uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Ready or not, here we go, baby. <laughs> no man, I think I think podcasting on the due date is the best way to do it. I think if I may have mentioned this last week, but I think on on my oldest due date, uh, or maybe it was my maybe it was my second child's due date, but but yeah, it was my second child's due date. Uh, we were I was actually interviewing uh, for a podcast. I was interviewing John Wesley Ship from The Flash and, yeah. uh, and Dawson's Creek back in the day. And once we got done with the interview, I told him, you know, because he, 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 we kind of chatted and talked about family and I mentioned that we were about to have a baby's good win. I was like, well, it's supposed to be today. He's like, what are you doing on this? Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, right? It's sir. Like, what the heck are you here for? I know. No, it's it's good. You know, we, um, I, 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 my wife and I were just kind of talking. It's like, man, we're not going to sit around and, um, you know, just, you know, wait. I mean, it's like life's got to carry on. We're going to go to work and. Um, you know, get stuff done. So here we are. <laughs> well, let, let's uh, let's go ahead and address this then. So theoretically, I mean, this is where my money is, is that sometime Baby Cole is coming between now and next Monday when we would traditionally record the show. So at of as of right now, we are operating under the understanding or assumption that next week uh, you will probably be off and we've got some great guest hosts that will be coming in and filling in yeah. for you. Now, in the event that the baby hasn't come yet, you might be on, but I really, I'm... I'm betting on it being no. I mean, yes. Like, <laughs> I, I, just, I have a feeling that this baby's coming. If you're listening and it is, uh, you know, and, and you're listening, you know, like when the episode comes out, please uh, toss up a few prayers for us. We we are hoping this uh, little joker comes uh, sooner rather than later. So <laughs> Absolutely. that would be great. But uh, yeah, man, it, regardless, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, that little bit of time that I'm out, um, you know, having some some fun folks come through. And, uh, and Dude, and, we and have got some hit, experts so. lined up. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. So that's the thing. Don't worry. You're not going to be listening to me, uh, at, you know, just talk ignorantly about, about anything. Like, <laughs> we actually, you know, we, we decided there's a couple ways you can handle it when, uh, you know, when John David Cole is not in the room, you could either go, you could go low or you could go high. And we went very, very high. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got some, some really exciting, uh, some guest hosts coming on. So you'll hear, you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But this week, man, we've got a really exciting show. First, we want to give a big shout out to those who are making the show happen at patreon.com slash country squire radio. If you haven't already head over to patreon.com slash country squire radio, where you can join up the country squire radio international pipe club, all the information and benefits can be found there. Again, that's patreon.com slash country squire radio. Uh, and then John David, uh, you know, we got to make mention of something. I feel, I feel bad about this. Uh, I, I, I put out a bit of misinformation and I completely blame dyslexia for it. Uh, <laughs> so in, in previous episodes, I mentioned that the Texas Pipe Show uh, is coming up. Uh, I kind of gave it a date range, the 10th through the 12th. That is not accurate. It is actually, it is specifically on October 12th. Uh, so that's the Texas Pipe Show, October 12th in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, be sure to go have a blast. Uh, there's some great guys out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And again, that is October 12th specifically. So only on October 12th at Pop Safari Room in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. The Texas Pipe Show. Y'all, y'all go and have a, have a fun time and pew, 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 and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> you won't want to miss it. Yeah, that's right. So good good, good catch, man. And uh, man, hope, hope to see a lot of good photos and uh uh, just all kinds of neat, uh, you know, experiences there from that show that day. I think, uh, think everyone, if you go, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, and actually, you know, while you're there, be sure to, uh, you know, take take some selfies around. If y'all want to tweet those to us, we'll just retweet them out. We love, yeah, love the uh, the Texas Pipe community and want to want to support that. So, uh, yeah, we want to see those selfies come through. Y'all bring us along with you, and we'll we'll retweet it out and and big up you. 
All right, man. Okay, I'm excited for this week's episode. Yes, you now, are. <laughs> the, there, there's there's a little bit of explanation that needs to be done as we dive in here. The first is we got to give a major shout out to Pastor Joda, uh, who is a listener of Country Squire Radio. And yeah. as you know, longtime listeners know, I am a I'm a fan of pipe tobacco and I'm a fan of pirates. <laughs> and on the rare occasion that these two worlds come together. I, I long for the opportunities to do uh, this series, which is our Pirates and Pipe Tobacco series. This is now, the like series where, you know, uh, I don't know, after after so many weeks, you know, uh, we just are like, no, this it's time for Bo to, we're, we got to throw Bo to Bone, you know? <laughs> after, you know I, after so many weeks, it's like, no, Bo, it's it's your turn, man. It's your turn, baby. Let, let's let's just see what happens. Open Pandora's box, dude. We, we want to, let's, let's just go all in. <laughs> let's just go crazy. No, I think it's going to be fun, man. This is great. So, Pastor Mr. Joda suggested uh, this is the perfect time for a Pirates and Pipe Tobacco episode because uh, the week that this episode comes out, we're recording this on Monday, and it, of course, releases on a Wednesday, which means the following day will actually be September 19th, which is Talk Like a Pirate Day. (laughs) (laughs) So you get your pipe, and you go around, and you talk like a pirate. If you got a parrot on your shoulder, all the better. And you can (laughs) let them know you're listening to Country Squire Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, man, dude. I, 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 I hope... Um, I hope my daughter is here that day so, uh, you know, she can, maybe that'll be her first memory. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be amazing. Daddy could show up in just like a pirate costume right. <laughs> and everything like, right. like this is, this is how I want my child to see, to come into the world and hear my voice for the first time. Arr, yeah. Right. And it's a ticket straight to the mental institution. <laughs> so the great thing about this series is that it allows us to do something that we do from time to time, which is highlight famous pipe smokers. So on Country Squire Radio, you know, we try to yeah. uh, really dive in and you know educate folks uh, you know talk about the various blends that are out there the various cuts of tobacco the various uh, pipes and pipe shapes and go kind of really dig you know dig in and kind of almost a nerdy fashion into the the tobacco uh, as well as kind of the the art see fashion as well and yeah. I don't mean that in a negative term I mean literally the craft of you know pipe tobacco the craft of the pipes and uh, and the industry that surround them However, we also really like diving into the culture that we all share in as pipe smokers. There is a legacy that you as a pipe smoker share with this art form that dates back uh, for for decades and decades and hundreds of years. I yeah, mean, like centuries. this is something, that, yeah. So that this is something that kind of connects us all. In in many respects, it connects us to uh, you know the heroes of the bowl that we discuss. But you know, pipe tobacco was universally enjoyed. So you are connected to famous heroes. You are also connected to famous villains. And uh, man, we've got somebody today that we're going to be talking about that is a famous pipe smoker, uh, which is Captain William Kidd. Ooh, uh, William Kidd. Ah, my name is Captain Kidd. As I sail, as I sail. That's a that's a song. People know it. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is going to be really great. Now, Captain Kidd in particular, man, is a very interesting case study, character study, what what have you, because he is one of the most. Uh, th- there's a wealth of information about him, more so than most of the pirates of his day. Yeah. Because not only was he captured, but he was kind of known before he was basically known, like he was a known entity before he was known as a pirate. Now, okay. whether or not he was a pirate at the time of his conviction is kind of the question that we're going to be diving into. But the reason why we celebrate him here on Country Squire Radio is because he was a pipe smoker. In fact, there is a very, very famous uh, you know, artist rendition of Captain Kidd uh, by Howard Pyle, where Captain Kidd is sitting on, on you know, kind of resting on his, uh, his, his, his ship, which I believe is the, uh, the adventure galley at the, in this particular uh, artistic interpretation. And he is smoking the uh, kind of the long clay pipe, which was yeah. very popular during the day. Okay, okay. So we know too that clay pipes, by the way, are not just you know uh, not just popular in that era, but also popularized amongst pirates. The Pirates and Pipe Tobacco series was really kicked off because of an excavation of a former pirate ship where they found just crates and crates of clay pipes. Now, John David, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, clay pipes are cheap now. That would not have not also been the case then, right? They were yeah, they weren't I mean, exactly expensive. Well, I mean, yeah, they were readily available, but you got to think this was before the advent of the briar pipe, right? I mean, we're talking about mm. um, you know a pre uh, you know 1850s when the uh, briar pipe kind of came around, and so uh, or 1830s, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you know the um, 
you know, 18th, uh, 17th centuries. Uh, this is the kind of the gold standard for pipe smoking. Of course, we talk about our tavern pipes and uh, pipes that are uh, readily available to sit around and, um, you know, uh, break the end off the stem and, and leave there at the uh, at the tavern. Uh, you know, you, they're associated with uh, people uh, like pirates, also people like, um, you know, uh, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh and um, you know, folks like that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of the kind of the universal pipe uh, at, at, at this time, other than perhaps maybe a clay bowl uh, that mm. has a reed stem. Uh, but yeah, m- most most times when you think of pipes in this era, you're thinking of the uh, you know the the long stem clay pipe, probably a cutty shape or something of that nature. Yeah, and tobacco in particular was a pretty big prize item as it kind of sailed across the seas for pirates that were looking to take various merchant prizes. Um, And so, you know, having a couple of uh, clay pipes on hand to maybe, uh, you know, dip into the, uh, you know, into the the, the hold up stash, you know, uh, they probably were doing that. They probably were doing that. You know, there was an equal section of every single prize that was taken by pirates. You know, the idea is that everybody got their equal portion, you know, across the board. And most of it was to be sold on the black market and then they take the money and then they do it. But for a lot of consumable items like pipe tobacco... Yeah, they, they kept those clay pipes around for a reason. <laughs> All right, so that's 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 that that's the credentials. That is our uh, kind of our pipe smoking connection here to William Kidd. Now, William Kidd was born in Scotland. However, he grew up in New York, uh, specifically in New York City. Uh, this would have been the province of New York at that time, and uh, you know he he had aspirations to see. Uh, but he was very much an Englishman. Uh, he did, however, serve on a uh, pirate ship that was a French English ship. But early on in his, you know, quote unquote, pirating career, he uh, overthrew it. He actually uh, partnered with a fellow uh, shipmate. They had a mutiny. They took over the ship. They went pirate and they called it the Blessed William. So he was kind of a, you know, he's a fan of his own name. from that <laughs> I mean, you know what? He, he, he was uh, incredibly humble naming ships after himself. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, maybe that's what his mom called him. You know, it's like the Blessed William. The Blessed uh, William. Yeah. No, that's yeah. good. <laughs> could have been. But anyway, so they now take the ship that they have uh, taken, the English portion of the crew kind of takes the ship, and they use it specifically to go after French ships. Now, this is at a time when England and France weren't exactly on the best of terms. Uh, there's a little thing like, a, like a, you know, one of these like wars going on. You heard of that that sort of thing where they, <laughs> they, they send each other ships and they bomb each other's cities. That, that whole deal was going on. Yeah, okay. And so... So William uh, took the Blessed William and he would go after specifically French ships, but not just ships. He would go and he would bombard French settlements and French towns. One of the biggest prizes he ever took was sacking a French town in which he came back with like uh, like 200 or 2,000 pounds of sterling silver or something of that nature. Uh, and it was a pretty, pretty hefty prize. Uh, the problem, though, like most pirates of the day, they were very good at taking prizes. They weren't always that good at securing the prize. Uh, there were very few pirates that were able to kind of brag about retiring rich you know, when it was all said and done. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like we've got all this stuff, but how do I use it for, uh, you know, my uh, security and, you know, my fi- financial stability and all this kind of stuff? No, nah, they probably just, you know, squandered it on, uh, you know, booze and women. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's the thing. Um, uh, while a lot of uh, sailors turn pirate with this kind of like, I'm going to seek my fortune and retire comfortably, once the fortune is actually there, they've gotten accustomed to a kind of a, you know, live fast, die hard kind of life. And so, yeah. you know, the, the the money goes quickly. Now, the sad thing here for old William Kidd is that he didn't even have the opportunity to spend his money because he came across a man that would kind of become a historic rival for him. And that's Robert Cullerford. Robert Cullerford was a pirate in full. Now, whereas William Kidd was somebody who very specifically attacked the French, but not necessarily anybody else, uh, Robert Cullerford was more of a traditional pirate. However, he did something that you don't often see from pirates, and that is stealing from other pirates. Uh, he oh, not wow. only stole William Kidd's treasure, he actually stole the Blessed William away from William Kidd. So when it's all said and done, Kidd lost his pirate ship, lost his pirate crew, lost his pirate, pirate plunder, and is just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's, now, that's, what he, that's what he gets for uh, you know, squandering all those spoils. Yeah. And, you know, but the thing is, he's a smart guy. He actually played his little pirate career pretty carefully and specifically. Now, as I mentioned, he only attacked the French, which were the uh, the enemies of the English. Kid himself still claimed himself to be an English citizen. Uh, and so, you know, he was not necessarily wanted by the law of the land in England. 
but at the same time, uh, he he wasn't really a sanctioned privateer, right? So we've talked about this before, but John David, do you remember the difference between pirates and privateers? You know, I, I can't remember to be honest with you. Our privateers almost like a uh, like you know we're going to give you a license to go uh, you know tear up the ocean kind of thing. Um, yeah, is that kind of the nature of it? On our, yeah, exactly. As long as you focus, you go and you hunt down our enemies and you kill them. And you keep a, a you know, you, you basically loot them, you keep a portion of the loot, and then you send the rest of it back to uh, to London. Okay. So they kind of like we, mercenaries, really. Exactly. So privateers were very much like mercenaries. But William Kidd didn't have that official status. He didn't have a what, what would be known as letters of mark at that time that okay. sanctioned him to be able to go off and do this. But at the same time, the government was totally cool with him doing it. They just weren't getting a cut of it. So in terms of kind of walking that line, he was really good at walking that line. So that by the time that he did end up with no ship, no crew, and no money, uh, he still had a name and a reputation that was pretty solid. And it allowed him to get, uh, you know, one of his biggest prizes of all, marrying well. Because, you know, because <laughs> honestly, that's that's what we all need, you know, pirate or not. It's like, man, if you've if you've done that, that's a that's a big piece of the puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it helps, you know, the, the love of a good woman is priceless. But the uh, the love of a good woman who was married to a rich man that died. And now you get his fortune is even, you know, that, that's got a dollar sign that's attached to it. And <laughs> it's even more priceless. Bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, man, he marries into high society back in New York City. Um, and I mean, like high, high society. They had a couple of different properties throughout the town, including properties on Wall Street. Uh, you know, they were very much uh, set up for life. And so you got to think this is a dude that, you know, had a adventurous swashbuckling kind of early career, right? He's going into high society. He can, you know, fascinate everyone with his tales of piracy. And because he was a pirate, like, you know, in the minds of the French and not a privateer in the mind of England, uh, there's like this added lure about him right like there's this added uh, a sense of adventure about what he has done and what he's accomplished so he's the talk of the town he's sitting high he's got his money he's got his ladies he's got his properties in new york city everything's going well for william kidd if Until- it stopped right there <laughs> <laughs> you know it is so, interesting just in, before you continue like this is yeah. someone that um it's kind of hard to find uh, someone in my own life or in our uh current society that might have an analog to this you know you you've got um uh i mean this this is someone who you know it's it's like you're uh in in society and you know you're going to these events or you're running in these circles and and all of a sudden there's this uh kind of um that character that shows up that's rough around the edges and he doesn't uh he doesn't have uh you know a lot of um uh, he doesn't have any pedigree necessarily, but uh, you know the the tales he tells are interesting. The tales he he you know tells are are fascinating. But uh, you're like, man, is this guy for real? And uh, you know, who, <laughs> how did he get away with this kind of stuff? And uh, but but you so it's almost like you enjoy keeping him around just for the uh, um, uh, I don't know the the fascination of it all. So um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And you got to remember, man, these were not like schmucks like you and me. This is like like the right. highest of tier society at a time when like, you know, the 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 high tier society was ruled by the English. And so it's it's the hoidiest of toidiest, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so around this time, of course, um, their piracy was kind of growing a little bit out of hand, um, whereas at some points, you know, piracy benefited uh, the English at other points, it really was not. It was disrupting trade. Uh, and then, of course, it was kind of creating a sense of fear, which was, uh, you know, causing some issues with actually recruiting new sailors to both the Navy and the merchants. And so from that standpoint, it needed to be dealt with. And this is where you really saw kind of an increased rise in privateering. Now, okay. privateering often was, you know, uh, you know, maybe they could have been some uh, somebody with like a naval history. But oftentimes it's uh, people like Benjamin Hornigold, which we've talked about before in a pirates, a previous pirates and pipe tobacco that were previous pirates that were kind of given a pardon and turned privateer to go up, basically become pirate hunters and, and go hunt down everybody else. And then here's the thing. How far could you actually trust these people? Because a lot of times you would give the pardon out and they would take the pardon and they'd be cool for like a month and then they go and they rob somebody else. You know, like like you couldn't yeah. really trust these guys. So here is the King of England, the governor of New York. They've got this issue of these pirates all over the place and they need to get a privateer. They need to get a sailor, a pirate hunter that they can basically trust somebody that's one of their own. 
And there they come calling to old William Kidd, sitting up fat and happy with his pipe, just chilling with the missus and all of his money and stories. And he reluctantly gets behind this. Now, he is somewhat reluctant in uh, in the beginning, but it's not just the pressure of the province of New York. It's also the pressure of London and the kind of the wealth and money like this. This is a. Um, this is an enterprise that is being set out upon that is actually financed by some of the, like the biggest names and the biggest families back in England. And so there is a ton of pressure from that kind of high society that he's found himself in to go yeah. out and become a privateer and specifically a pirate hunter to go and deal with the pirate problem, uh, specifically off the coast of Madagascar. So back to it, William Kidd goes, he decides, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get the best of the best. And he goes, he recruits his own crew. Uh, these are all people that are all, you know, you got to think these are, these are, they're excited. They're sailing with William Kidd. They've got the money and the support or so they think to be able to go and, and hunt these pirates and, and kind of live this adventurous life. And they set sail and everything is great until, and this is kind of funny. They run across a naval vessel and they decide, you know what? We're basically pirates now. We're basically privateers. We can kind of do whatever we want. We're not going to salute this naval vessel. So the naval vessel says, you know what? We're going to fire over at you to remind you, you got to salute us. So they fire a cannon shot off the uh, off the side. And the salute they received from a kid's crew was not the one they were looking for. In fact, <laughs> if they, they looked out the window, they would see that the entirety of the crew had bent over and displayed their rear haunches for the Navy to um, see as their salute. No way. Dude, that's crazy. Talk about, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know, just having the guts to do that. I mean, you know, these are people that, you know, you kind of feel at this point like you're invincible. You've got all this backing and these, uh, you know, shiny uh, celebrities on board and you're sent off to do this great, uh, you know, adventure. And you're like, ah, you know, let's (laughs) let's take the first opportunity we can to, uh, you know, do uh, make a fool of ourselves. And uh, yeah, and here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So the Navy took a little bit of offense to that. They went and they boarded the ship and they pressed most of those men uh, back into naval service. Uh, as kind of punishment for doing this. And Kid is basically, um, well, he's basically lost his entire crew. So now he needs to go. And, you know, as I mentioned, he recruited the best of the best of the best. And so now he doesn't have access to that. He has access to whomever he can find on very little notice, which is mostly criminals. Yes, some sailors, but a lot of sailors with kind of questionable backing. And so now he sets sail with a new crew of cutthroats to go and do a cutthroats job. Hmm. All right. So not really great. He's with this this savory lot. Uh, and they've been sent to go and smoke out these pirates, uh, which can be a very tricky thing. Now, pirates are not really people who like to advertise that they're pirates. You know, we think about the fact yeah. of the the Jolly Roger and the, the skull and crossbones, the black flag, and that was used by pirates only as a means of intimidation. They would only really fly that. They would actually make you think that they were an English ship or a, a Dutch ship or, or, you know, whatever you were, essentially. They wanted you to think that y'all were all friendly until they got close enough. Then yeah. they'd display the black once they once they, you couldn't run away for you to make the call. OK, I'm going to surrender and give you my stuff. Or we're about to have it out right here and now. It's kind but of like pirate, the terrorists of their day. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if, if they you really were terroristic uh, tactics being used. Now, I, again, I've, I've made the argument before that the only thing more you know treacherous and villainous than the pirates were the governments that they were rebelling against. So, <laughs> you know, te- you know, one man's terrorist is another, another man's rebel. Right. Like yeah. Freedom, uh, freedom fighter. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. So um, but, you know, not again with no intention of trying to say that pirates were good people <laughs> or anything like that. But <laughs> it's always, you know, it's always worth noting the, the world in which they operated. Uh, so, yeah, so they were going around. They were trying to find these pirates. Pirates weren't exactly advertising who they were. And all of these bigwigs back home, the information they got about where these pirates were, were pretty much all, you know, old news by the time they got down to uh, to Madagascar. So they're having a tough time. This cutthroat crew is getting a little antsy. Their thought was they were supposed to go and get, you know, portions of these pirate loots and treasures. And that's not happening. So, man, they are starting to get really ready to start taking some prizes. And they come across a ship. And this ship is not French. This ship is not Spanish. This French is Dutch. And while Dutch and English are not exactly, you know, one and the same, at the time, they were not at odds with one another. And Kid, being somebody who had a history of traversing the politics of the sea, knew that taking that Dutch vessel was not going to be good. If they did that, that was going to get them a ton of flack. Yes, they did have letters of mark to potentially do this, but this would be seen as an affront to the king, and he was really trying to walk that line. He'd done it 
very well in the past. He intended to keep doing it. Now, his crew of cutthroats were not ready for this, man. They were really kind of ready, like, look, no, man, we can overthrow you as our captain. We don't, you know, if, if we don't take this prize, we're going to mutiny. So as a mutiny is rising up around him in the midst of a heated argument, Kid grabs a bucket and hurls it at one of the crewmen that is threatening mutiny uh, and smashes him in the, uh, in, the, in the head. Now, this was a man named William Moore who then fell down, uh, busted his head again on the floor and died of a fractured skull the next day. Wow. So the murder of William Moore would come back to haunt Captain Kidd uh, in the very near future. So one way or the other, this action kind of shut everybody up and also kind of put further animosity between the crew and the captain. Yeah. In fact, they would later go on to testify just how cruel Captain Kidd was. Um, whether or not those testimonies are accurate or just based off of the fact that, you know, these are frustrated men that are looking for any means to get at this guy. Well, that's another question. So they keep on going. And of course, the animosity keeps on building until they come across a ship that is an Indian vessel. Now, this is an Indian, it, uh, from all appearances, an Indian treasure galleon. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, for, for pirates, especially English pirates at the time, this is like the creme de la creme, right? Like this is where a lot of like the highest end value goods that they're going to be able to sell in the black market are, uh, you're not going to get, you know, England is not going to, you know, bust you over the head over this. Um, you know, a lot of kind of the, the European wars that are going on, this is kind of outside of what's going on. So it's basically from a pirate standpoint, this is free money if we can take this vessel. Yeah. And, and so needing something to throw this crew so that they will just get off his back, William Kidd approves it again with letters of Mark from his king and governor that he can do this legally in accordance with English law. I, I point that out because that's about to be very, very relevant. <laughs> when they roll up on the ship, they're taking the prize. And at some point, and this is very, it is heavily contested. At some point, Kidd is made aware of the fact that the captain is an English captain. Now think about that. This is an English captain captaining an Indian vessel. What does okay. that tell you, John David? Um, a pirate? I don't know. I, I mean, the, the assumption here is, is that potentially this is a pirate that took this vessel, uh, a fellow privateer who took this vessel. Uh, but when it's all said and done, the reality is, is that this, because the captain at this point is English, uh, this is no longer considered an Indian vessel. This is actually considered an English vessel. Um, and so there's a lot of you know debate amongst the crew as to whether or not they should continue to take the prize. And uh, William Kidd, regardless of anything else, what is known as William Kidd did say, yes, we can take this prize and we will take this prize. So they take it, they call it the Adventure Prize, and this basically becomes his final pirate ship okay. uh, in, in, his, uh, in his career. And this action right here, man, this is the one that actually officially labels him a pirate by English standards. Now, we've talked about a lot of different things that he has done in terms of especially sacking French towns and, uh, and stealing uh, ships, having his own ships stolen. A lot of things that are considered pri piracy by broad standards. But if we're looking specifically at England... This is the first time that England would consider him a pirate. The word gets back that he has taken this vessel, that he's robbed England of its own ship. And uh, basically a hunt goes out for William Kidd. Now, he wouldn't keep the ship for very long as uh, he would actually run into a old nemesis of his, uh, Robert Cullerford. Yes, the same man that stole his ship before showed up <laughs> yet again. <laughs> like he was just hanging in the background. Now, this... A lot of debate as to what happened. Uh, maybe the two met and they they shared a drink together and they talked about how wonderful you know the life of a pirate is and uh, oh remember that one time you stole my ship and people ha ha ha. Uh, there's another thought that perhaps uh, they came to blows and um, you know things didn't go very well. But one thing that is known: a very large portion of Kid's crew defected from his ship to Colorford's ship. Uh, shortly thereafter. So now he's got, so now Kid has a, uh, not a small amount of prize. He has a much smaller crew and a ship that frankly is kind of, kind of leaky. You know, it's, it's not, it's not serving him very well. And by the way, the cops are yeah. on to him, right? Like the heat is on and he needs to get rid of it. So <laughs> he sells all his loot for a pretty, pretty nice size prize. He's got, he's got some money now. He's got some, some significant money. Uh, he, he disbands his crew, gets rid of the ship and he returns to New York. And upon returning to New York, 
is arrested as a pirate. All right. Wow. Yeah. So here's the thing. William Kidd, was he a pirate in the eyes of England? That's the biggest question that has really kind of lasted throughout history. And many different historians and legal authorities disagree heavily on this. Um, you really need to think about his situation he was in. Again, uh, he, he was given the right from the, uh, from the uh, uh, governments, the governing bodies that he was elite, uh, allied to at the time to go out and do these things. Uh, to take these prizes. It was an Indian vessel, despite the fact that it had an English qu- captain. And so there is some dispute as to, you know, who it is at, at best, John David, at best, you know, there is room for, for reasonable doubt. W- wouldn't you say? I would think so. I mean, it, you know, it's someone that, you know, where he um, was given some type of, uh, you know, dispensation or license to be able to do some of this stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, there was uh, just a muddiness uh, at the end. So, yeah, I don't know. And isn't it interesting that all of this happened and the only person that really took the heat for it was William Kidd. Now, we've already mentioned before that at the beginning of his this journey into, you know, what would be his downfall, this was financed by some of the wealthiest like powerhouses in England and they probably didn't want this getting back that they were responsible for this attack. Yeah, so, so almost kind of throwing him under the bus, I guess. Big time. So they send him, they actually take him, uh, they deport him from New York. They send him back to England. He was tried. Uh, he was interrogated and he was eventually executed. In fact, um, he was had to be executed twice. They dropped the, they, you know, they noosed him. They dropped him. Uh, his neck did not break. And many in the crowd thought that it was God kind of saying like, okay, this oh, man is wow. actually innocent. Yeah. Uh, but then they hung him again, and the second time he died. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a terrible day, way to uh, way to die, man! That's incredible, botched execution. Yeah. So this does leave kind of two mysteries in the wake of William Kidd. The first, of course, was he innocent? Um, was he an innocent man? Absolutely not. He did some terrible things. But was he innocent in the eyes of the law? I think that is heavily debatable, and I don't even know that I really know the answer to that question. Uh, personally, because it does seem like he was thrown under the bus. Yeah. There was a lot of gray area and he was already operating in an industry that kind of existed within gray area. Um, and then on top of that, the other thing that was really used against him was the murder of, uh, of Moore. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the crew members that would eventually go to testify against him, you know, kind of drummed that up in a big way, but you know, there was a mutiny going on. To some extent, was that not self-defense? These were people that were trying to take a ship from uh, from the, the English government, or at least a, a sponsored English government ship. So he was kind of defending London at the time. Yeah. Uh, and yet London killed him for it. So yeah. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area, man. It's there's a lot of corruption uh, that surrounded this man, a lot of corruption that surrounded the people behind him. And uh, when it's all said and done, it still remains a mystery. Now that's one of the two mysteries. The other is where exactly did his money go? Because as I mentioned, oh. the prize that he got from that English or from the Indian vessel was not small. He walked away with that, and there are records of him selling that and kind of gathering up a cache of treasure, which is heavily believed to have been stored away somewhere. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, so there's a uh, there's a cave that is a, or a cove now that is known as Money Cove, and uh, uh, I think it's Grand. Um, oh, man, I, I can't remember the name of it. But it was, uh, but basically that is, it's, it's the location which many believed his treasure to be. It's been excavated like crazy and nobody has ever found the treasure. Uh, so there is kind of this question of where is William Kidd's treasure? And that is still a mystery today. But I'd like to think, John David, that wherever it is, it is nice and sparkly right next to a nice heaping uh, uh, crate of clay pipes where in his final days, William Kidd enjoyed a, a good, good smoke as he contemplated his, his trials, his succession, you know, his success, his failures, and uh, where it all went wrong. Nothing better <laughs> to, uh, to contemplate those life decisions than a, a, a bowl, of, uh, bowl of good quality tobacco uh, with, a, with a little clay pipe. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that's, that's great, man. What, I mean, what an what a interesting story. And, of course, uh, you know, Captain Kidd, uh, named synonymous with, uh, you know, piracy during this time. And, but also, you know, the, um, the, 
kind of uh, uh, confusing aspects of it, right? And how, uh, mm. you know, it's intertwined with uh, legalities, how governments were using people like this uh, for their own purposes. And, and also, um, you know, wealthy uh, individuals or maybe companies were, uh, you know, hiring some of these uh, guys to do some of their bidding. And, um, and, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, regardless of what's legal or what's not, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, are you buddies with, uh, the person in power and how much, uh, how much do they have your back? You know? Yeah. And, uh, how much, yeah. that's the big one, man. How yeah. much do they have your back? Cause like, that's the thing. Everybody was all well and good until somebody needed to take the fall. And yeah. in 1701 it, in London, he fell and then he fell again. <laughs> and then he, uh, right. And then they had to, they had to follow him again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to think, uh, buried down there with, uh, maybe some of that treasure that we haven't been able to find yet. Um, you know, maybe there's a couple of crates of, uh, of exquisite American tobacco that, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, finally uh, aged for a few centuries, just waiting on us to, uh, to uncover it. So <laughs> you could just be bad. Oh, could you imagine? I, it probably tastes terrible, but it'd be amazing. No, I'm sure it'd be awful. Yeah. <laughs> Saltwater air, man. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is my kids, uh, whenever they, whenever they hear, um, Captain Kidd, uh, the song Captain Kidd, they always attach to it, right? Cause his name is literally Kidd. And, yeah. um, the song goes and, uh, and I'll ask Mike to, uh, to play it, uh, after, you know, as, as kind of our outro this week is kind of a special, special thing. It's like, you know, my name is Captain Kidd as I sailed, as I sailed, my name is Captain Kidd as I sailed. And basically it talks about how he rejects God's law and he's a murderer. And like, I didn't realize my kids were listening to me listening to this music <laughs> at one point. And I just hear my kids talking about, you know, you know, my father put a Bible into my hand. I threw it in the sand. I murdered <laughs> William Moore. And I'm like, whoa, what's uh, what's going on here, guys? <laughs> Before you know it, it's a complete disaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's uh, but it's a, it's a great little uh, song that tells his tale and, and something of a, a, a propaganda piece, honestly, that, that kind of furthers the 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 potential myth that that he was uh in fact, a, a villain in the eyes of London. So, man, I, I know that you're excited whenever whenever kids get excited because, of course, you've got a kid on the way, a, a Cole Younger, if you will, uh, kind of like the Cole Younger pipe from Missouri Meerschaum. <laughs> That's exactly right, man. We are so uh, honored, of course, to uh, be partnering with Missouri Meerschaum week after week uh, to talk talk about, uh, man, their fantastic pipes. And, of course, the Outlaw series uh, is one of their more popular series right now. They've collaborated with Crow Valley Pipe Company and um, have just made a really awesome uh, collection of these pipes that, uh, you know, feature different uh, different rapscallions from, uh, from days past. And uh, the one uh, that we're talking about today, of course, is the Cole Younger pipe because— uh, <laughs> <laughs> this Coles Younger is coming any day now. <laughs> the, the Crow Valley Pipe Company and Missouri Meerschaum Company have collaborated to introduce the Outlaw series of corncob pipes, uh, a new addition to our popular family of nose warmer style pipes. Cole Younger, part of the James Younger gang and a fellow bushwhacker uh, with Jesse James uh, during the Civil War, robbed banks, trains, and stagecoaches. The Cole Younger pipe was inspired by the shape of a stagecoach and features a wide nickel band. Uh, comfortable in the hand, the Cole Younger has its own unique label and is branded on the side of the bowl with the Outlaw Series Bandit. This pipe, like all the pipes in the Outlaw Series, has a genuine hardwood insert in the bottom of the bowl and is available only as a straight, non-filtered pipe. And uh, it retails for only $16.99. It's a really handsome pipe, uh, incredibly well-made. That uh, really high-quality uh, black stem with the nickel band and uh, and that stovetop cap around the uh, the medium-sized bowl. It's just a just a handsome pipe, something fun to put in your rotation, a great pocket pipe, and of course, uh, you know, a, a tribute to a bandit, as it were. So, uh, yeah, Cole Younger Pipe from uh, Missouri Meerschaum. You can get it today at corncobpipe.com or, uh, you know, whatever your favorite, uh, you know, pipe-centric tobacconist retailer is. And, uh, man, be sure to uh, be sure to smoke it soon. That's right. Hey, if you've got one, be sure to uh, smoke it this week. Retweet it out to us, or rather tweet it to us. We love to retweet it out. So let the good folks at Missouri Mearsham know we appreciate them for sponsoring this show. Pipe question of the week. All right, man. Pipe question of the week coming in to us from Alan Bay. Uh, Alan asked the question, which is better for everyday or regular smoking uh, maintenance-wise? Talking about briar, corncob, or Mearsham. 
you know, I, I think uh, all three of these pipes, right, have their own um, their own uh, advantages, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, briar, uh, obviously incredibly durable, uh, you know, corncob pipes, uh, you know, obviously uh, inexpensive, something uh, where you get the pure flavor of the smoke, uh, easy to maintain. Uh, the Meerschaum pipes, uh, incredible, uh, you know, pure flavor of the smoke, but uh, a little more fragile. Um, you know, briar uh, and corncobs are probably the most forgiving uh, just because of, uh, you know, how, um, you know, they can take some of the pressure and um and that kind of thing meerschaums are great because uh you know you can smoke them over and over um but really all of these pipes have to be uh have to be rotated they all need to be um you know just uh, uh, rested after a while and and you know i, I had a guy <laughs> he came in the other day and he was like look i bought this meerschaum from you uh and it's uh I, I think it's about to burn out what is the deal and i was like well how often do you smoke it and he was like well only you know three or four times a day and uh <laughs> yeah i was like well you know we, we we need to rotate our pipes you know that's one of those things where even a even a meerschaum pipe uh, you know this is an object you're setting on fire multiple times exactly. a day it's probably probably good to set it back you know it's all it's like all reason goes out the door when pipe when a pipe is involved but um yeah you know it's one of those things where um you know folks uh need to rotate and clean their pipes regularly so um you know as far as as far as um you know what's better for everyday smoking uh and, and maintenance, um, you know, I, I would probably go with the briar or the corn cob simply because you don't have to worry about them as much. You know, the meerschaums mm. tend to be more fragile. Uh, corn cobs, you know, if you do happen to, you know, have an issue with them or something, man, they're so accessible and you can snag one again real easily. Um, the briar, you know, is, is incredibly forgiving with all these pipes, uh, corn cob, briar, or meerschaum. If you do want them to last for a long time, though, you're going to need to rotate them uh, in and out. Let your pipe rest for a day or two. Uh, you know, most heavy smokers will let their pipes uh, rest for uh, for several days and rotate through just a you know collection of your favorite pipes. So um, clean your pipes after every uh, every smoke. Uh, I always feel like the dentist that has to you know remind their uh, you know. Uh, patients to floss, you know, constantly, even though they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, but, you know, cleaning your pipe, it's really going to be, you know, important to the long-term, uh, you know, pleasure of smoking out of that particular pipe and um, and, and will help, um, you know, get that moisture out of there to preserve the, the medium that it's made from. So, um, so be sure to do that. Uh, along those lines, it is a little easier to maintain a pipe that does not have any type of filter in it uh, because, uh, you know, you don't have to wait for the pipe to cool down in order to take the filter out and, and clean it uh, that way. And so basically what I'm saying is any pipe is easier to clean if you can run a cleaner all the way through it uh, without having to take it apart, if that makes sense. And so um, so that might be something to, you know, consider if you're looking for a, um, a pipe that's easy to maintain on a day-to-day basis. So um, anyway, a muddled answer for a pretty simple question but <laughs> you know if you're looking for an everyday regular smoker that uh you know it's easy to have upkeep and you don't have to worry about it as much uh you know your briars and your corn cobs are probably going to be the direction to to head in all right well hey great question alan and hey if you've got a pipe question of the week be sure to send it in show at countrysquireradio.com again that's show at countrysquireradio.com quick fire with the squire Quick fire quest, Joe! Ow! All right, man. Quick fire questions brought to us by some awesome, awesome t-shirts available to you at thecountrysquireonline.com. Check them out. Dot com. That's right. All right. These are an assorted uh, group of quick fire questions from Josh Law and Leo Gobo. Uh, so here we go, Bo. Black or brown Cavendish? Typically, as far as blending goes, I'll go with black Cavendish for personal right. um, personal consumption. Brown Cavendish, I, I think, uh, you know, that brown, um, you know, more uh, kind of lightly flavored, uh, you know, Dutch style Cavendish. It's something where, um, you know, it plays well with other leaves and uh, isn't overpowering. Um, yeah, I'll probably go with that for personal smoking. I feel like black Cavendish is often used pretty heavily in most of the blends that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I would, sure I would say, about me. yeah, no, I mean, I think it's real common and, uh, you know, obviously is, uh, you know, incredibly popular in some of the most, uh, you know, uh, common aromatics out there. And so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, you know, that makes sense to me. Okay. All right. Yep. So I'll go with uh, Black Cavendish. Uh, all right. Also from Josh, he says, uh, zucchini bread or banana bread? 
All right, I'm going to go with banana bread by a hair. I, you know, zucchini bread, I, people who haven't had zucchini bread are probably like, what the heck is that? But, like, it, it's actually pretty good if it's done well. So, um, But I, I'm, I'm going to go with banana bread because um, I think I more consistently crave it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so banana bread's interesting. So back, do you remember back, like, a couple years ago when I went on that purge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lost like a ton of weight, and so you did. part of that, yeah. part of that was, uh, you know, maintaining a certain diet on a very, very strict and regular basis. And uh, my wife created, I called it Limbus bread because it was like uh, from Lord of the Rings, the, the bread <laughs> they broke, and like a bite of it would fill your entire belly or something of that nature. Uh huh. Uh huh. And sh- she had this like, like, like walnut pecan packed banana bread that you ate for breakfast, and it really filled you up. Like it was really, really good. Uh, and really kind of got me through that whole phase. So, um, yeah, definitely banana bread, but specifically my wife's banana bread. Uh, others, yeah. you know, it can kind of be hit or miss. Uh, <laughs> That's and good. Then finally, from uh, Leo Gobo, he says, uh, John Deere or International Harvester? I, I got to go with John Deere in, in this mm-hmm. instance. I'm not a person that uses this kind of equipment, but gosh, I mean, just the iconic uh, symbolism, you know, the logos, Americana, all this kind of stuff. Man, John Deere, I, I mean, you know, people that have never been on a farm in their life uh, have John Deere branded uh, stuff. It's uh, it's just it's just everywhere, and it's uh, it's cool. It's cool. I, I'd, I'd have to go with that. Okay, yeah. I mean, Mississippi's kind of John Deere. Turf. John Deere ter- territory, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. I like. I, I kind of, you know, I'm not. I, I don't actually know what the uh, the reigning Texas, uh, you know, mindset is here. But you know, there's still enough Mississippi farm equipment. I, yeah, yeah. Like I, I know to choose John Deere. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm gonna have to go with uh, John Deere from that standpoint. <laughs> um, also, uh, you know. This is something that probably a lot of a lot of people have seen and and got immediately. But for those who haven't, let me just show you something you can never unseen. Uh, look for the Baratheon uh, house sigil, and um, yeah, and now you'll never unsee unsee that. It's basically John Deere with different colors. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's great. Well, uh, there you go. Well, great quick fire questions from uh, from Josh and Leo. And hey, if you've got some quick fire questions for us, send those over. Show at Country Squire Radio. Uh, dot com is the place to do it. We love getting those in. Of course, quick fire questions brought to us by the Country Squire Radio t-shirts available to you at the Country Squire Online dot com. Your, your thoughts, thoughts, your, your comments. comments. Listener, Listener feedback. feedback. Listener feedback. All right, man. First one coming in from Erica Rivertree. Awesome. Yeah. Man. What did Rivertree have to say? I know, right? Erica, man, thanks for writing in. Uh, Greetings, John, David, and Bo. I enjoy the Country Squire radio and appreciate the time and thoughtfulness y'all put into the show, especially on behalf of us newer pipe smokers. Country Squire radio is superlative edutainment, and as I am equally delighted with each new episode, I am listening back through the show archives. Um, man, Erica, thanks so much. We're so grateful for you and, uh, and and glad you found us. It's been good to um, you know connect with you over the past several weeks, and we, we really appreciate you listening. I love that edutainment or uh, or infotainment has kind of become part of the zeitgeist now. Like more people yeah. are familiar with that term. I think podcasting is largely responsible for that because in yeah. many respects, that's that's what this is. Probably the best medium for it. I mean, you think about you know how many uh, you know different um, you know you think of uh, podcasts like Serial and this modern yeah. you know American Life and all these ones. I mean, that is kind of fed that, so it makes sense. Yeah, you're learning, like when you're out doing something, you're learning along the way, you're driving, you want to, like an audio book, that sort of thing. But with um, with a little bit more entertainment flair and uh, perhaps even a little bit more educational value. Um, you didn't know as much as you know now about William Kidd, so there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, man, we also got iTunes review in. This is from uh, Kentucky Pip 2, and what did they have to say? Kentucky Pip 2, excellent podcast. Always look forward to a new episode from the Country Squire. Keep the excellent content coming. And, uh, man, thanks so much, Kentucky Pip. That's great. We're uh, we're grateful for you. Absolutely. We love getting those iTunes reviews in. And, hey, if you haven't done so already, head over to iTunes and write us a review. Uh, it's a great way to help support the show. It doesn't cost you a dime to do it. But if you do have a few dimes that you can throw towards the way of the show to help make sure that you get excellent content on a weekly basis, head over to patreon.com slash country square radio. You can come up, become a patron for just a buck an episode or go even higher by becoming a, uh, a country square radio international club member. All the details there at patreon.com slash country square radio. Uh, also, you can keep up with us throughout the week to find out when, whether or whether or not baby Cole, Cole the Younger, 
has arrived. <laughs> uh, follow us on social media for that. You can follow me. I'm at the real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at at underscore Country Squire. Of course, the show's handle is at Squire Radio, and all that and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Man, all right, Pirates and Pipe Tobacco. I love yeah, this series man, so much. Yeah, man, it's always fun to visit, right? It's a, this mishmash of worlds that, um, you know, are, are intimately connected, but uh, makes a lot of sense, and uh, it, it's always fun to always fun to learn. I've had this one in, like, my back pocket for a while. I'm kind of curious as to, like, what the future... Uh, if, if there is going to be even be a future of Pirates and Pipe Tobacco, because I think I pretty much <laughs> tapped out all the main ones that I had with connections to Pipe Tobacco. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. Maybe there'll be uh, maybe I'll find some sort of records of somebody taking a prize that was a tobacco ship or something of that nature. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe we'll get this this huge revelation of like Blackbeard's lost treasure and they bust it open. And there's this diamond encrusted pipe that uh, <laughs> you, you never know. It could happen. We'll see it what could. happens. It could. Good. <laughs> Wait, man. Uh, we'll see whether or not you're back next week. Uh, my 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 guess is no. Uh, I, I, I you know. Yeah, so we'll find out. We'll find we'll out week to week at this out. point. So, man. <laughs> but tune in for some great content one uh, one way or the other coming up in the coming weeks. And uh, John David, man, let's go have a day. See you, brother. My name is Captain Kidd. As I sailed, as I sailed, oh, my name is Captain Kidd. As I sailed, my name is Captain Kidd, and God's laws I did forbid. And most wickedly I did as I sailed. My father taught me well to shun the gates of hell, but against him I rebelled. As I sailed, he shoved the Bible in my hand, but I left it in the sand, and I pulled away from land as I sailed. My name is Captain Kidd. As I sailed, as I sailed, oh, my name is Captain Kidd. As I sailed, my name is Captain Kidd, and God's laws I did forbid. And most wickedly I did as I sailed. I murdered William Moore, and I left him in his court when he leads away from shore as I sailed. Yeah.